Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. All right, we are, you know, coming to the end of the end time series, but probably New Year will be uh, carrying on because it's such a I mean, it's so deep. I was telling people my brain hurts going over this because there's so much information. And, and I've confessed to you before, I didn't do a lot of study in times in my ministry because I, I would counter people who were so adamant and passionate about being right. And this is how it's going to be. And, and, and I would look at them, and, but then I see that in their lives evidence that they're not ready. They think they know what's going to happen, but I would want them to be ready for what's going to happen, not just be right instead of ready. But then I realized, as I was confessing a couple weeks ago, that by looking at the end times, God gives it to us for a reason. He gives us these signs. It will help us to be ready. It will help us to be prepared. So we've been looking at this. There's so much. We're only scratching the surface. In the new year, we might talk a little bit more. But there, we've just been looking at three areas at the end times. Uh, we started last week uh, talking about the tribulation. And the tribulation is this future event of seven years where God's going to finish the, and discipline uh, of Israel and finalize his judgment of the unbelieving world. And it's from Daniel chapter 9 we saw last week where we learn about this tribulation period, where we, we find out it'll be seven years that, that will happen. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel's praying. He's praying to God, saying, Lord, they were in captivity and they're out of their land. He's praying, God, what is the future for me and my people in Jerusalem? What is the future? And God says, I will, he answers him, and the angel Gabriel shows up. And Gabriel says this, a period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring, in everla- to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. And again, just kind of a little bit of review, but last week I mentioned that the Hebrew word used for seven actually means um, a set of seven years. Just like I would say one week is seven days. And so the word they use there refers to seven years. So we have to get our calculators out. We have to do some math and put our skills to work, that 70 sets of seven years equals 490 years has been decreed, Gabriel says. It's been set aside and to accomplish God's work. And, and Gabriel lists was what has to be done to finish rebellion over this time, to put an end to sin, to atone for guilt, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision and to anoint the most holy place. And then Gabriel, he breaks it down a little bit more uh, for Daniel. He says, now listen and understand. Now, I can do the listening part. It's the understanding that, that really is sometimes a little confusing for me. But it says, listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until the ruler, the anointed one, who's Jesus, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. And after this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one, Jesus, will be killed, appearing to accomplish nothing. And a ruler will rise, those whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The end will come with a flood, and war and its, and its miseries are decreed 
from the time to the very end. So what Gabriel says here that there's these seven sets of seven plus 62 sevens. If you do your math, that's 483 years. There's a span of time of 483 years where Jerusalem will be destroyed and rebuilt. This Messiah, this anointed one will come. He'll be killed. It looked like nothing's been accomplished, but it has. And Gabriel says the prophetic clock begins ticking. It's the, the, it starts when an issue is decreed to build Jerusalem. And from that date to the time the Messiah, the anointed one, is cut off, will, that will occur over a span of 483 years. Well, we know from history that the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem was given by King Xerxes of Persia in around 444 BC, and that began the clock ticking. That's when end times really is going into, into motion. The first, 40, first unit of 49 years of seven sevens covers the time it took to rebuild Jerusalem with the streets, with the infrastructure, times of trouble, Daniel said. And that is chronicled for us in the book of Nehemiah, which we've looked at before. So I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a timeline here to show you some of what we are talking about, if it helps. Daniel, who's writing these, who's receiving these prophecies, is living in exile in Babylon. Um, the Babylonians came, captured Is Jerusalem, around <clears throat> about 586 BC. Uh, and Cyrus, the king of Persia, then came and conquered Babylon and allowed the Jews to go back and rebuild their city. So here's a side note. Um, because we're talking about Bible prophecy, and I want to encourage you uh, in, in this. The prophet Jeremiah, who you can see is back before Daniel, foretold, prophesied, how King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon would come and attack Jerusalem before it happened, years before it happened. He said this, and now the Lord of heaven's army says, because you have not listened to me, he's talking to Israel, you're not obeying me, I will gather all the armies from the north under King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, names the king, names the country, whom I've appointed as my deputy. I will bring them all against this land and its people against the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy you and make you an object of horror and contempt and a ruin forever. I will take away your happy singing and laughter. The joyful voices of bridegrooms and brides will no longer be heard. Your millstones will fall silent and the lights in your homes will go out. So Jeremiah is foretelling that there's a time coming because Israel is not obeying, that Jerusalem will be destroyed and he names the king, he names the country. And Isaiah, who's even further back in that timeline, he's not even on that timeline, he's back even before Jeremiah, talks about how, what's going to happen. The people will be carried off and exiled. Isaiah says this, then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, listen to the message from the Lord of heaven's armies. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasure stored up by your ancestors until now, will be carried off to Babylon. It's like 200 years ahead of before. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your own, very own sons will be taken away in exile. Daniel is one of them. They'll become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of Babylon's king. So Isaiah is talking about Cyrus, who I don't even think is born yet. It says he's going to come and rebuild Jerusalem. He's going to be the one who's going to come and restore, allow the Jews to go back after the Babylonian exile of 70 years and rebuild the temple. 
And Isaiah says this, what I say of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. He will certainly do as I say. He will command, rebuild Jerusalem. He will say, restore the temple. I'll raise up Cyrus to fulfill my righteous purpose. And I'll guide his actions. He will restore my city and free my captive people. Because this is before. They're in captivity in Babylon. Without seeking a reward. I, the Lord of armies, have spoken. So Isaiah is saying, like, like around 200 years before it happens, before the book of Ezra, you know, before we read about this, the book of Ezra talks about how this prophecy has been fulfilled. Ezra says, in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, well, we, we just read about him like 200 years earlier, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy, so we have no kind of guessing. Is this just kind of we're putting words in, in the mouth? You no, know, the word uh, through Jeremiah, he stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and send it throughout the kingdom. This is what the king of Cyrus of Persia says, the Lord the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is Jude and Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem and Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem. And may your God be with you. And I'm just sharing that scriptures with you because I want you to know the Bible can be trusted. It's accurate. And it's been accurate in the past. So we have every reason to think, okay, it's got all that right. We can trust through what it's going to say for what is to come. So let's go back to angel Gabriel here a moment. He's telling Daniel what's to come. These, these 70 sets of seven, 69 of them have taken, have taken place as of today. And using the Jewish calendar 360 day year, he says this, the prophecy in Daniel 9 specifies that the completion of the 483 years, the anointed one will be cut off. And that was fulfilled when Jesus was crucified. That, that, that tells us the, that the, the seven sevens, the 62s, that the anointed one be cut off. That happened when Jesus was crucified. And then Daniel 9.26 continues with the prediction saying, The Messiah is killed. The people and the ruler will come and destroy the city and the sanctuary. We know that happened in 70 AD. The Romans came and they destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. And after 70 years... We can say today that 69 have these, of these sets of seven have been fulfilled. That is 483 of the 490 years that Gabriel's talking about has happened. So what does this mean? It leaves one more set of seven yet to come. And many scholars believe that we are now living in this gap called the church age between the 69th set of sevens, which has already happened, and the final one, which is called the tribulation, which is to come. The prophetic clock has been paused, and we are waiting for one particular event to happen, the Bible says, which I mentioned last week, and I'll, I'll talk about a little bit in a moment. And once that happens, according to the Bible, we know we're beginning tribulation. Those seven years, and they're not great seven years. I mean, at least like half of them are going to be horrible. Worse than Holocaust, worse than World War II, worse than the Civil War. <clears throat> so I'm going to be repeating, because I just want to make sure we get this. I want to make sure that we understand. We can look back and see how 483 years of what Gabriel said would happen is taking place. Jesus was crucified. Jerusalem was taken over. Temple destroyed by the Romans. Israel, they would again be back in Nehemiah's time, was, the temple was, was rebuilt. And Israel has been scattered throughout the nations until 
1948, which is significant. And we'll talk about that, I think, in the new year, because every time I go somewhere, I go, I got to talk about that, but I don't have time. So I'm going to have to come back and talk about that, because that has a huge um, implications for the end times. But today, I just want to focus on the fact that we are waiting for this final set of seven that's called the tribulation. We're now waiting for it to begin. And there's two things we know about the tribulation, according to the Bible, according to Jesus. One, it will be the worst time of history. And number two, we know what will take place on the onset of these final seven years, because Daniel tells us, the, the, the Gabriel says, it says this, the ruler who's the Antichrist, or the man of lawlessness, will make a treaty with the people for a period of seven years, one set of seven. But after half this time, this Antichrist, who's seeking to make a peace treaty with, with many, will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings, and as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object. I want you to remember that term, because Jesus could refer to it in a moment. Sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him, which we read about in Revelation. So the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, has set up a peace agreement that he says is going to last for seven years. There's war happening. We're going to, we're going to, come, we're going to set a peace treaty. However, halfway through this seven-year period, he's going to break the covenant. Now, this hasn't happened yet, as far as we know. But when it happens, we can expect three and a half years of peace. And then the Antichrist will put an end to that people worshiping God, offering to God. And then the worst days of history will happen for the last three and a half of that seven-year period. So when that happens, when, if we're here and open or not, we read that there's been wars and someone comes and says, I will make a seven-year peace agreement, probably like with Israel, with many, involve Israel for sure. Then we know that the seven years has begun. Because halfway through that, Red Free and Thessalonians, Thessalonians last week, people say, oh, this is great, things are going well. Then boom. The worst days of history will come. The man of lawlessness will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration. And in Matthew 24, which is, we refer to this teaching as the Olivet Discourse of Jesus. He, we will speak more about this in the new year, because again, every time I go, I think we've got to cover this, we've got to cover this, but I don't have time today. But in this teaching, Jesus briefly describes the coming destruction of Jerusalem, which we already talked about happened in 70 AD. So this is going to happen. And then he goes on to describe the length of what will happen just before his second coming. End history. He goes on to give you know, vivid detail of the signs and the events that will occur in the tribulation. In Matthew 24, 15, Jesus describes an incident that immediately brings about these terrible series of events. They'll sound familiar because we read about it in Daniel. Jesus says, the day is coming when you'll see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. So Jesus is giving credence. He's, he's, he's substantiating what Daniel said, God himself. The day is coming when you'll see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, what we just heard about the sacrilegious object that causes desecration, standing in the holy place, which we assume is the temple. 
And listen to the words of Jesus here. Reader, pay attention. That hit me this time. I don't remember reading that before. Reader, pay attention. I love how Jesus says that knowing many years later we'll be reading this. But what's going to happen? And we need to be aware of this. We need to be ready for this. When we see the admonition of the desolation, this object being set up that Daniel spoke about, we know what's to come. And Jesus says, it's not the good days. You don't want to be, you'll be running to the hills. I hope you're not pregnant, he says. He goes on talking about that. But he says, there'll be such, there'll be then, he says, there'll be great tribulation, such as was not from the beginning of the world till now, nor may be. So last week, I, I talked, I went over this a bit. I went over it because it's so deep. And you may even now think, okay, all these sevens and these sets of sevens and you know, the Antichrist and this peace treaty, and, and Jesus even goes back and says, yes, it's true what Daniel said, but we still might be a little confused. So I thought, I'm just going to bring you into a math class. How many like math? Okay, I'm with everybody whose hand's not up. But watch this short math class to help. Just one more time, I talked about it last week, I talked about it now, but I think we just, just want to just review it one more time before we move on out of the tribulation to understand what he's saying. So watch this. In Daniel 9, we see Daniel praying to God, confessing the sins of his people, and asking God specific questions regarding the fate of Jerusalem, the fate of the Temple Mount, and the fate of the Jewish people. God immediately responds to his prayer by sending an angel with the answers to his questions. In some ways, the answers the angel gives looks more like a mathematical equation than prophecy of future events, because he speaks about the events in Numbers. But before we look at the numbers, let's look at how Jewish language plays a role in the interpretation. In the Jewish language, Shavim is a group of seven years. A lot of Bibles simply translate it for us and call it sevens. Now that we know what we're looking at, in verse 24, the angel says 77s, that's groups of seven years, are decreed for your people, the Jews, and your holy city, Jerusalem, to Finish transgression, put an end to sin, atone for wickedness, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up vision and prophecy, anoint the most holy. So the amount of time it will take to accomplish all of these things is 70 sets of seven years. 70 sevens. 70 times seven years is 490 years. So in 490 years, everything on this list will be accomplished. Next, he gives Daniel our math problem, which explains the timeline. Calculators ready? Verse 25 says, From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It, Jerusalem, will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, meaning the infrastructure will be restored, but in times of trouble, Roman occupation. So seven sevens plus sixty-two sevens equals sixty-nine sevens. Multiply sixty-nine times seven years, and we get 483 years. So in that 483 years, Jerusalem will be rebuilt under Roman occupation. Pretty interesting, eh? Now to verse 26. After the 62 sevens, meaning the next thing that will happen, the Messiah, Jesus, will be put to death and have nothing, which means he'll be killed. Up to this point, 69 sevens of the prophesied 77s have occurred. That only leaves one seven left, 
one seven-year period left to finalize the things that the angel told him would happen to his people, his city, and the temple. The big question is, when will that last seven years begin that will usher in the kingdom of God? It's been almost 2,000 years since the Messiah was cut off. The next information the angel gives, by definition, must fit into that last seven-year time period. It'll tell us what event will mark the beginning of the last seven years and what event will mark the end of the last seven years. First, the angel gives an overview, then backs up to explain how it will get started. Listen very carefully as the prophecy continues. Here's the overview. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. So who is this ruler who will come, and who are his people? Is this the same ruler Jesus spoke of that will cause the abomination of desolation? Is it the same guy that Jesus says will surround Jerusalem with armies? That is exactly what Jesus is telling us. Now the messenger backs up to give the details. He, well, who is he? will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. That's one group of seven years. In the middle of the seven-year span, that's three and a half years, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. At the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Yes, this is the same man Jesus spoke of who will lead an attack on Jerusalem. This is the same ruler Paul speaks of in 2 Thessalonians 2, calling him the man of lawlessness. So, in review, there must be 70 sets of seven-year time periods to fulfill the prophecy given by the angel. 69 sevens have already occurred. The last seven-year period is the missing puzzle piece that we are all awaiting. When will it start? Mr. Arnold? Mr. Arnold? Mr. Arnold! Uh, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. Well, pay attention. We're talking about the return of Jesus here. Okay. We are told it begins when an agreement is confirmed with many. We're not told in Daniel who the many are, but other prophets tell us that Israel's leadership will be involved. Isaiah 28, 14 through 15 calls this a covenant with death and Hades, entered into by Israel's rulers in Jerusalem. According to Isaiah, Israel will enter into this protection agreement hoping to find peace, but it will actually bring terror. So where do Christians get the idea that there is a specific seven-year time of trouble left at the end of the age? Jesus tells us to look at the prophecies of Daniel. Interestingly, the first half of Daniel's prophecy was mathematically fulfilled precisely at Jesus' first coming, just as the angel described. Will the second half regarding his second coming be just as exact? Are we paying attention as Jesus instructed? Maybe it's time we take another look and read God's prophetic instructions with new eyes and an open heart. Are we getting better? Are we getting better understanding what's happening? So that's the tribulation. Talked a lot about the tribulation. Because when we say we're in end times, we are in end times. Just one seven-year period. What's going to happen? Well, well, let's talk about this next. The next part I want to talk about is the rapture. You may have heard of that term. Um, the rapture is when Jesus returns to remove the church, all the devoted believers in Christ, Acts 2.42, to heaven. And, and, like, the Bible talks about the church as his bride. 
we are the church is his bride. So the groom's coming back and taking his bride, the church, home to his father's house. And the rapture is when Jesus will come and rescue us. Now we read in um, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, we tell you directly from the Lord, so against us from the Lord, we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have already died. So when, when Jesus comes back, and sometimes the rapture and second coming gets uh, intertwined a little bit, but we'll talk about that. But those who have died will meet him first. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up. And I underline that because caught up in Latin means, is, uh, the word is um, uh, rapturo, which we get this word. That's what rapture is. We're caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. The concept of being caught up or being carrying off or the rapture is taught in Scripture. Here in 1 Corinthians, it says, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, when the trumpet sounds, those who have been di died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies will be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. So the rapture is going to happen um, unexpectedly. It's going to take up those who have already died and then those who are here to be with Christ. He's coming to rescue them. And then the third part is Jesus' second coming. So we talk about the, the tribulation a lot. And there's a reason why I need to spend a lot of time there. The rapture, and then Jesus' second coming. And this is when history comes to an end. It all, it's all, it all, this is when it all just Satan and those who, his, who are devoted to him, who follow him, be thrown into the lake of fire forever. Jesus' second coming is described in Revelation chapter 19. John said this vision, and I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So we know who that is. The importance, I think what I love to highlight is the importance, the difference between the rapture and the second coming. Um, let me just name these two. Number one, it's in your notes. The rapture is the removal of believers from the earth as an act of deliverance. The second coming includes the removal of unbelievers from the earth. So rapture removes the believers. The second uh, coming removes the unbelievers. The believers go with Jesus in rapture, unbelievers with the enemy, Satan. 
Number two, from what we understand from Scripture, the rapture will be secret and instant. We're not to know when it's to come. It'll be visible for everybody to see. So it's important to remember um, that most Christians, what I'm sharing, I'm sharing a lot of Scripture today because I want to make sure you understand what the Bible says, not just, I think this, I think this. I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to share what the Scripture says. But it's important to remember that all Christians agree on these things. There will be a rapture. There will be a tribulation. And Jesus will return. What, what is not agreed on, or the difference is the order in which these things happen. That's, that's where there's discrepancy. And um, to help me under, understand that, I brought these. So we know that there is a tribulation coming. We spent a lot of time last week and this week looking at that. We know what it is, seven-year period. We know when it's going to happen. The peace treaty is, is signed. We know that's coming. Jesus referred to it. Daniel referred to it. We also know that um, Jesus, is, there's a, there, Jesus is coming back again after the, the, the tribulation. The part that we're not sure about, the part that people just understand is when does this happen, the rapture. Some people, you might hear they say we're, we believe in pre-trib, pre-trib or pre-tribulation. They believe that Jesus will come and take the believers up into heaven before that seven-year period. I'm hoping that's what it is. I'm not saying it is. I'm just hoping it is. Um, we, a couple board meetings ago, I made a motion that this would be the way it is. We passed it and voted, so I hope God heard. But there's also a lot of uh, scripture that and people have a reason to think, no, it's going to happen after. That Christians will have to go through this time of tribulation, uh, and then the rapture will come, and then Jesus returns. But um, why people think it may happen before is because it happens instantly. It's not known. And if it happens uh, here, then we know, okay, it's after seven years. He's going to come. We can expect it. Some people think it's going to happen in the middle called mid, see, that's why it gets confusing. But after that three and a half year period of peace, before that, that everything breaks loose, Jesus will come and rapture people um, then. Uh, so again, what I want you to understand is what I said before, your salvation is not based on what order you would put those things in. Um, it's not based on how you, what view you order, what's important, and why I'm preaching this series, because I know people get really you know, get really passionate about this. What I'm passionate about is this. Be prepared. Be prepared. Before all of this happens, however God wants to do it, whether it's the rapture's here, whether it's here, whether it's back over here, please be prepared here. Be ready there. That's why I'm talking about it. Because I don't know. I, I, I read scripture and, I, and God gives us clues and he tells us things. Um, I know what I want, but you know, I, I, God has his plan. He will unveil it. Um, he gives us hints about it. But be ready. I think if you hear this and hear it, read the scripture and how back in Isaiah, he said, this, this is going to happen. Jeremiah said, this is going to happen. And Daniel said, this is going to happen. Then it happens. We think, okay, I better, I better pay attention to what's to come. If 69 of the 70 things years happened, has happened, and there's only one left, I can probably, if I was a betting man saying it's going to happen, the way 
that the Bible says there will be this tribulation. So please focus on this. Please be ready. We had um, our neighbors over last night. We have really nice neighbors. He cuts my front lawn for me, which I really appreciate. And they're very nice. And we had them over to our house and for uh, some visitation. And I was sharing with them the story that I don't think I've shared before, but you, I've, I've mentioned how my grandparents were missionaries in China during the 30s and very early in the 40s. And um, they were over there when Japan and China were at war. And Japan had invaded part of China um, where my grandparents were serving as missionaries. My dad was a young boy. My uncle was a, a young man, a boy. And every couple of weeks, um, my grandparents would say, my grandmother, I called her my nana, would, the Japanese soldiers would come through their village. And they had a dog trained to recognize Japanese soldiers. So the dog would bark and alert my grandparents that the soldiers are close by. My grandfather was often away with the other men in the village trying to find food for the village. And what's really cool was there was a missionary, his name was Will Smith, who lived in Thornbury, Ontario, where I first pastored, was, one of, was with my grandfather as a missionary from another church, Free Methodist Church, together. It was just so fascinating, a small world that they were together. But they'd be away, so my grandmother would be left there. And when Japanese soldiers were coming in the area, she would get, gather the women the, and, and their children and hide them in the basement. Move this big cabinet, open up a door, and hide them down in the basement. Give the baby something that would cause them to sleep so they wouldn't cry and give their location away. And the Japanese soldiers would come, and they would have, my nana would feed them tea and cookies. And my uncle and my dad said they can still remember, they can still even later in life, remember the smell of those uniforms in their house. It was during one of these visits when a Japanese officer stayed back to speak to my grandmother while the others left the house. And she said he was a very nice man. In fact, I thought maybe he might be a Christian. And he was very kind. He knew my grandparents were missionaries. And he wanted to talk to my grandmother alone. And he said to her that soon Japan as a nation is going to war with the United States. And he knew her family were Canadians, but they were serving an American missionary organization. He feared for their safety. You've been so good to us. I fear for your safety. If you don't leave, you will be put in a concentration camp. I strongly advise you to go home while you can. It's coming soon. This, this, this declaration of war is coming soon. <clears throat> and they believed them. So a few weeks, my grandparents left China by rickshaw, then by bus, then by car, and then a train to Shanghai, and then back home to Canada. And this was in September of 1941. The Toronto Star interviewed my grandparents because back in the day, that was newsworthy when people were living in China, you know, so unknown, and they interviewed them. And my grandparents told the paper an officer of the Japanese army said they will be attacking America. And they didn't, of course, didn't believe them. Nobody believed them. Uh, there, no, Japan would never do that. And that was September. In December 1941, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. And it fascinates me that somebody had the information. Someone knew. We could, they could have been prepared. They just would have believed these humble servants coming back that we spoke to an officer in the army and said, this is what's going to happen. And they said, oh, no, that will never happen. They knew. They warned. 
but no one listened. I'm preaching this series on end times because no, this is going to happen, whatever order. So be prepared. Don't put it off saying, oh, someday. Or I think a lot of people think, well, you know, if I, if I, I will be prepared, but I have to first do other things back here. I have to, I have to get ready and clean up before I can do this. You will never be ready. Come as you are. Come as you are and say, God, I need help. Don't try to take a shower before taking a bath. Come dirty. Say, I am, I am a sinner. I need help. Would you help me? Because I want to be prepared for when these events happen. And it's going to be soon. We see things happening in the world and with Israel, which we'll talk about in the new year. Jesus said it this way. While we still have time. And I'll end with this. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Well, what was it like in those days? In those days before the flood, these people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them away, all away. This is going to be the way it comes when I return. Two men will be working together in the field, one will be taken. The other two left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken. The other left. So you too must keep watch. Watch. Know what to watch for. Be prepared. For you don't know what day the Lord is coming. We don't know that. The Bible says we do not know. Anybody tries to tell you they know, they're not following scripture. Understand this. The homeowner knew exactly when the burglar was coming. He would watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready, Jesus says. All the time. Don't say someday. What if it was today? You must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. I'm preaching this from the Bible to you. Saying, I know what will happen. Not really sure the order. But be prepared. Be ready. If you are not ready today, if you need to come as you are, as we all have, as I did, to God not clean and fixed up and perfect, but saying, I'm a sinner, I, need, I want to be saved by your grace, because I can't do it. If I could have done it, I would have done it already. I can't. I need you, God that I want you to accept the invitation to come as you are and begin the journey of being ready for when this happens, you'll be taken up with him. I'm going to pray. And if you need to make that prayer, I want you to pray in your heart, meaning it today. I want to be I need to be ready. I'm not ready. I need to be ready. So pray this with me. Lord, I thank you that you love us enough to give us a glimpse of what is to come. There's so much we don't know, but we know enough, God, that we, can, we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to be watching, as you said. And as you said, reader, understand this. Understand what you're saying. Father, we understand today that we need, we cannot save ourselves. We understand that, that our sin has separated us from you. And you came to the earth and died on the cross 
not for an Easter holiday or a Christmas holiday, but God, that we would be saved from that sin which separates us from you. So this Christmas season, God, we look back to the first advent and we stand here today knowing the second advent is upon us, that we need to be ready for your return. Lord, hear the hearts, the cry of that, the one or the two or the three here today who would say to you, help. I am a sinner. I have disobeyed you. I know it. God, you know it. Help. I have very little confidence that I can have victory, God, but I, but I believe with you I can. I know I can. So I confess my disobedience. I ask you to forgive me, and you said you would in the Bible. You will forgive those who ask. And that we can journey with you into everlasting life. That when you come and collect your believers, your church, we would be among them because we trust in you and believe in you. God, forgive me. Help me as I prepare. Help me in this journey, in this relationship with you. We're unsaved by grace. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.